Good morning, everyone. I, I don't really know what this new contextual dimension is. Um, <laughs> But we'll see, eh? Um, so we're going, to, um, we're going to read from John 8, as Coffo said. Uh, but before that, let me just uh, give you a bit of an introduction. So I want to introduce you to some people that Jesus um, spoke with. Imagine these, um, these people that he's speaking with were the kind of people that you might see on Instagram. If, if you know what that is, if you don't know what that is, that's like a social media thing, uh, apparently. I should know, I'm on it. Anyway, um, and they had a lot of followers. Um, they had some, they account, their accounts would be the ones that were trending. And each day people would, um, would, would watch their story and their posts. These are the people who would choose the, the trending hashtags. They're the experts on uh, TV who people would seek uh, the advice of. They're the celebrities, the presenters, the DJs, the newsreaders, the household names. If you were having an argument, you would want to quote them. You'd want to quote Caiaphas or Nicodemus. If you wanted to know what house to buy, what lands to buy, where to invest your money, which career to pursue, these were the guys um, in the know. These were the Pharisees, and apparently they were quite popular. And then along comes Jesus. Here's another man, and his popularity is, uh, he's, is soaring, but he's from an uneducated background. He's a carpenter. He's from a northern nowhere town. Moreover, there's rumors he's not actually the son of Joseph, but mystery and therefore suspicion surrounds his parentage. Who is this guy anyway? Despite these things, he teaches the scriptures well and with authority. He doesn't seem restricted to the usual methods of teaching. He teaches the scriptures, but with his own emphasis, with uh, freshness, with relevance, with what was the phrase you used, Kofo? Because I'll use that. No, don't mind. Um, <clears throat> now, the law of Moses, which the Pharisees taught, had 613 commandments. But here comes Jesus, and he's boiled them down to two. How dare he? It's like he's stealing their thunder. The worst part of this is his teaching is actually accompanied by miracles. He heals people, and he has no qualms about doing it on the Sabbath. It's outrageous, the Pharisees say. Who does he think he is? So Jesus appears in the temple one day during the Feast of Tabernacles, and he's using the opportunity to speak to the crowds about himself. He's hijacking the feast and the Jewish tradition. Surely this is the opportunity for the Pharisees to discredit him, and they take it, armed with their knowledge of Scripture and with their ace in the hole, a perfect backup plan, because if they can't get him on doctrine, they'll destroy him on his reputation. So Jesus is preaching, and the Pharisees are heckling him. To use a more up-to-date term, perhaps, they're trolling him. Or trolling, trolling, whatever. Um, you can argue about that later. Um, and so what follows is a tense back and forth of insult and counter and rebuke. And of course, the words of Jesus are here to teach us. So let's just look at that in, um, in John chapter 8. We're starting from verse 12. Um, it's, quite a, uh, it's, it's quite a chunk, so I'm going to miss out a couple of uh, verses, but I'm going to power through the rest of it. John 8 verse 12 says this, And Jesus spoke again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered to them, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Let's skip to verse 18. 
I am he who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. So they were saying to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. We'll skip again to verse 22. So the Jews were saying, Surely he will not kill himself, will he? Since he says, Where, where I am going, you cannot come. And he was saying to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are from this world, I am not of this world. Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they were saying to him, who are you, Jesus? No, sorry, who are you? Jesus, punctuation, who are you? Jesus said to them, uh, what have I been saying? What, what, I can't even say this. What have I been saying to you from the beginning? I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. They did not realize that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And as he spoke, whoops, and as he spoke um, these things, many came to believe in him. So Jesus uh, was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, in him, if you continue in my word, in some translations it says, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with the Father, therefore you also do the things which you heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham, this is our um, Abraham, he is our father. Jesus said, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham, but as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I learnt from God. This Abraham, this Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, we are not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, <coughs> sorry, I lost my place there. Uh, whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own um, nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But, I, but because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He, he who is of God, he is the words of God. For this reason you do not hear them, because you are not of God. The Jews answered and said this to him, Do we not rightly say that you are Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste of death. Surely you are not greater than the father, Ab uh, our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Whom 
do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. And you, have, and, and you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his words. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. So the Jews uh, said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And you have seen Abraham, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So that was quite a long uh, chunk of scripture there, but I feel it was necessary to go through it because I'm going to refer um, to, to some of those things. So the first point I want to make is this. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be blinded by success, because this is what the Pharisees did, as you can see from that passage. They asked him a lot of questions, but these were not questions to discover the truth about who Jesus was. These were questions to trap him. They were hostile questions. Some examples, verse 13, um, they say, your testimony is not true. Verse 19, where is your father? Because if in, in asking that, they were, they were saying, well, basically inferring that um, Jesus' uh, parentage was, was questionable. Maybe he was illegitimate, and this was a real slur um, in, in Eastern culture at that time. Verse 22, they ask, will he kill himself? Because, again, it was a real dishonor amongst Jews um, if you committed suicide. They, they often said that the, the, the deepest place of um, Hades were reserved for, for those who did um, such a thing. So they were trying to twist Jesus' words to trap him. And verse 25, they said, who are you? In the message it says, who are you anyway? Um, so they were clear, clearly exasperated by his claims, trying to trip him up at every um, opportunity. In verse 43, uh, Jesus says, Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. And unfortunately for the Pharisees, their hardness of heart, their obsession with wanting to raise their own profile and popularity and have glory for themselves was what was stopping them from hearing Jesus' words and actually being able to believe in him. Let me tell you a story um, about it's sort of a friend of a friend uh, kind of thing. I won't say any names so that it doesn't um, embarrass anyone. But um, him and his fiance were soon to be engaged. And um, when they got married, um, the wife learned a terrible secret that her husband had been keeping because um, he'd been looking at internet pornography so habitually that it was a deep-rooted addiction in his life. Uh, dreadful thing. Conse consequently, it was so bad that they were unable to, um, to consummate the marriage because his behavior had meant that he was unable to sustain a relationship with his wife. His sin had blocked that relationship between him and his wife. Um, unfortunately, um, counseling failed and the marriage um, was legally um, annulled. Such a heartbreaking um, story for both sides. Um, but the point is that there was addiction in there, there was slavery in there to fleeting pleasure, and it got in the way of their relationship. Sometimes worldly practices can make our hearts callous so that we don't have ears to hear what Jesus um, is saying. The Pharisees were so obsessed with their popularity, uh, with what people thought about them, that they couldn't see who Jesus truly was. But praise Jesus that he can make the blind eyes see and the spiritual deaf um, hear again. Take, for example, Paul, a man who persecuted and killed Christians, a zealous Pharisee. 
his life was turned around completely, and he uh, led many to Christ, read a, uh, wrote a, a significant chunk of the, of the New um, Testament. So there is grace there, which we can praise the Lord for. Um, so don't be like the Pharisees, but instead, this is my second point, be rooted in Jesus and the Father, because he has the means um, to set um, us free. Jesus says at the start of this passage in verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. And he said this during, um, during the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles um, was, an important, um, uh, was an important feast, one of many that the Jews celebrated uh, throughout the year. And it was mainly to remember um, partially the, the exodus from Israel, but also the journey that the Israelites took um, through, uh, through the desert. And in, 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 in one place, it says that the Israelites were guided by a pillar of, uh, of, of fire. And so Jesus is using that image that the Jews would have been familiar with because they'd have been celebrating it at the time to say, hang on a minute, you had the, in the past you had this pillar of fire to guide you, this light to guide you, but here I am now, the light of the world um, uh, to guide you. And uh, what he was doing with, with this was saying that um, I'm not just going to be a, a light that guides you from, from one geographical place um, to another, but I'm going to guide you out of slavery, not just slavery out of, uh, uh, from underneath a, a political entity, but slavery um, from sin uh, entirely. You see, it's not, um, the freedom that Jesus gives is not freedom from a political power. I mean, it can be, uh, but it's a much, it's a much greater freedom um, that we need. It's freedom from an irresistible desire to rebel against your creator and bring misery, uh, and, and, and freedom from bringing misery to your life and to others, which is what sin is. So when Jesus gives us freedom, it doesn't matter who the ruling party is in your country um, at the moment. It doesn't matter, regardless of which side of the argument if you're on, what happens uh, with things like, dare I say it, Brexit. But if you are in Christ, you have a freedom that no earthly power can take away from you. You see, at the time, the Israelites were under the rule of the Roman Empire. But Jesus, um, when, uh, when he came, wasn't there mainly to take away that rule, but it was to take away the thing that oppressed them the most, and that was their own sin and separation um, from God. If you don't know this freedom this morning, speak to someone uh, at the front or someone who brought you here uh, today, and you can know that freedom in Christ Jesus. And how is that freedom obtained? Well, Jesus says um, later on, he says, um, Ab abide in my word. The truth will set you free. If the Jews who believed him felt trapped in the ways of their old life, in the teachings of the Pharisees, then he offers them a way out which links to what he says in verse 12. Um, he was going to take them to a place of rest and security, just like the Israelites going from Egypt to Canaan to be their own land. But this place of rest is going to be a place of abiding in um, the word of God. And the reason why I like the word abiding is because it's got this image of home, hasn't it? It's got this image of, um, of, of, of being welcomed into a new place to live. And we ought to welcome uh, the word of God into our lives as well, to be a for our lives. It's something that we should live with so continuously but it becomes a very intrinsic part of our life. Now we hear the word of God primarily through um, reading um, the, the Bible. 
and um, and obviously this is something that um, that I do every day. Can't you tell? Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, but. Um, uh, but it, it hasn't always been this way, and, and I must confess, a few years ago, I was going through quite a barren patch in my life, and honestly, it was as simple as this. I wasn't reading the Word of God um, regularly. I wasn't praying to Him um, regularly. The busyness of, li of life had overtaken, me, had overtaken me, and arrogantly, I felt like, that I, uh, like I could, um, could cope. But, but praise God, um, He helped me to get back into the habit of, get, uh, again, about, uh, re in reading the Word of God, reading the Bible um, every day. Now, I'm not saying this has got to be a legalistic thing, like you're not a proper Christian if you don't read the Bible every day. But... Um, one of the teachers that I had when I, when, I was doing, uh, when I was doing Bible school said this. He says, some days I don't read the Word of God at all, but some days I read the Word of God all day. Okay, so you've got to, you've got to get the balance um, right, but we need to have the Word of God um, in our lives. And I think for me, and I think for a lot of people, the best way is to just have that regular time of reading the Bible, getting the Word of God into our lives, abiding um, in His Word. Um, try to read the whole Bible. Um, an app that I use is supposed to take me through it uh, in a whole year. I mean, I, I regularly, I mean, I've done that a few times, but I don't actually fit it into a year. Usually it overruns a little bit. Um, but, but, but that doesn't matter. What, what matters is the, uh, the devotion to it. As you read it, ask God the Holy Spirit um, to, to speak to you through it and then respond to God in prayer every time he speaks to you. Because you see, it's not just an academic study. It's about having a dialogue with, the living, with, um, uh, with, with God Almighty, with the living God. And um, we should be, um, well, maybe some of you are reading John uh, at home each week before, the, the, uh, before we, we teach on it on a Sunday. And I just want to say, when you finish John, feel free to then continue in the New Testament and read the rest of the Bible. Um, it will do you um, no end of good. It can't just be an academic study, though. The problem was that the Pharisees did this. They studied the Scriptures, um, and, and it was an academic study to them, but they totally missed what the Scriptures were speaking about, which was, uh, which was Jesus, because their sins had blinded them to see who he truly was. Um, what links to this is... Uh, when they say to Jesus in verse 13, you only testify about yourself. Jesus responds and says, no, so does the Father in verse 14. Um, you can't see him because you're so wrapped up in your popularity and your profile. Um, he also says in uh, John chapter 5 verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. So if they really read the scriptures with an open mind, they would surely know who Jesus was and wouldn't be jealous of his growing popularity as they were. Now, I just want to take a brief um, aside to talk about something I mentioned earlier, social media. I felt God speak um, to me uh, about social media as I was preparing, um, preparing this. Um, and it, it can be a bit of a trap, you know. I mean, it's not all bad. Um, but we can let it become a distraction. Um, like the Pharisees who were so obsessed with what people thought of them, we can often become obsessed with what people think of us and our, uh, and our online profile. Sometimes um, I am known to post things on um, Instagram or Facebook. Um, I, I don't go on Snapchat or TikTok or anything. I'm, I'm just not that trendy. Uh, but, um, but, but often I'll, I'll post something at... I'll post something, I won't, even be wait, I won't even wait for the notifications, I'll just be like, refresh, 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 who's been liking this, who's going to leave a positive comment, um, 
and and it become it can become an obsession, you know. And uh, sometimes we can uh, we might post a picture, and I do this sometimes. I post a picture or on Instagram or whatnot, and then and then I go to sleep, and then I wake up the next morning. The first thing is like, quick, got to get my phone, see how many likes I've got, see if I've got any new followers. And it's it's just not the way it should be. I I repent of that, and I say I want my obsession to be Jesus. Every morning I want to wake up and think of him, not about my social media. Because you see, it doesn't matter how many likes you have from other people, it matters about who likes you, and that is Jesus and God the Father. It doesn't matter how many followers you have, it matters who you follow, and that should be Jesus and God the Father. See what I did there? Um, So, when the, um, when the Pharisees ask who Jesus is in verse 25, he, he, he says to them, look, I am who I've been telling you about all along. And then he gives them an example. He says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am he, and that I do not speak on my own authority, but speak just as the Father. Um, has taught me. And and what Jesus is doing here, he's referring to what's going to happen to him um, later in in the gospel narrative where he is crucified, where he's lifted up um, on the cross and he's saying, you know, you say that you serve God but really you only serve yourselves. I really do serve God and this is how I'm going to show my devotion to him. I'm going to die for the whole world. And in doing that he's fulfilling fulfilling the Father's uh, mission. Because for Jesus, the glory doesn't belong to himself, it belongs to God the Father. Unlike the Pharisees, who I've already said several times now, seem to be living for their own glory. Point three, history doesn't have to determine your destiny. In the face of Jesus' offer for freedom, the Pharisees say this, verse 33, we've never been slaves to anyone. What a big lie that is. If you read the Bible, you will know that that is the case. I mean, come on, they were in the temple and probably not too far away was a Roman garrison looking down on them. They had been, they had been conquered in the past the nation of Israel by the Assyrians, by the Babylonians, by the, uh, by the Greeks. But what they are basically saying is, I know what you're saying, Jesus, but we don't need you. We're okay because Abraham is our father. And Jesus doesn't deny that they are Abraham's descendants at all. They are in a genetic sense, but Abraham was not their father in a spiritual sense. And here's why, because in Genesis 18, when messengers from heaven came to Abraham, he received them and he made them food. He was hospitable to them. But these Pharisees, these genetic descendants of Abraham, have met a greater messenger from heaven. They've met Jesus, and they don't make him feel welcome at all. In fact, quite the opposite. They want to kill him. Abraham would not have done this. Abraham was a great man and a friend of God. But just because he was, it doesn't mean that it's automatically passed on genetically. Let me tell you a story about um, when I was at, at university, and um, quite early on when you would meet new people, people, there was a certain kind of, it was almost like people had an unwritten uh, list of questions that you absolutely have to ask people. It's almost like, if I don't ask these, I don't really know them. So they say things like, where are you from? Have you done a gap year? Because apparently that was quite elitist. And um, what A-levels did you do? And what grades did you get? It was like a real interrogation. Did you, now, my, at my university, one of the best questions was, um, did you apply to Oxford or Cambridge? Because I didn't go to either of those. Um, 
did you go to Oxford or Cambridge? Basically what they were saying was there was this, almost like this, this holy grail of standard which was I was an Oxford reject. Now I didn't apply to Oxford or Cambridge, but my goodness, I could have been an Oxford reject. I could have applied there and got rejected, absolutely no problem, but apparently that was a status for them. Um, I don't have an ax to grind, honestly. Uh, they, they may have said, but what does your dad do? What's his job? Now, why did they ask these, these things? Did they want to get to know me? No. They wanted to define me compared with them to see where I was and to see who was greater according to their, um, to their standards. The Pharisees thought they were okay because they were descended from Abraham. Let me say this. Your lineage or genetics do not define you. You are not necessarily a believer because you are related to a believer. You stand in your own faith in Jesus Christ. You may say, well, I'm a Christian because on the last census and on the religion uh, bit, I wrote the word Christian. Or I was baptized when I was a baby. Neither of these things are bad, by the way but they don't make you a follower of Jesus. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you've never prayed that prayer to welcome Jesus into your life, you can today. On the other hand, you're not cursed or damned just because your family uh, member was. Neither are you written off by the mistakes of your past. Regardless of how bad your past has been, Jesus invites you to follow him and be grafted into his parentage to be a son and daughter of God the Father. Jesus really goes in for the kill in his uh, talk with the Pharisees. In a brutal takedown, he says, not even God is your father, but in fact, it's the devil. (gasps) Although the the Jews accuse him of having a demon, he exposes the contradiction in their argument because if Jesus had a demon, he would do what a demon does. And what what do demons do? Well, like the devil, they try to glorify themselves to take the place of God. And that was not what Jesus' practice was. He only did what was pleasing to the Father. He wanted to submit to him and be totally devoted to him. Instead, the actions of the Pharisee Pharisees prove that they were sons of the devil because they lie and they seek to murder uh, Jesus. They say to him, now we know that you have a demon. Verse 52, Abraham died as the prophets did, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Back up a bit here. That isn't what Jesus said, and that makes it a lie. It says, look, uh, he actually said, if anyone keeps my word, he will never, um, he will never see um, death. The message puts it very well. It says, you will never have to look death in the face. But the point was that they twisted the words of uh, Jesus. So there's proof that, well, they were, in fact, um, liars. Um, at the close of the argument, Jesus does what I think is the best mic drop in the history of mic drops. He's done dancing around the issue. He's done uh, criticizing them and, 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 and turning their words back on them. It's time to tell the Pharisees the truth plainly. And he says, before Abraham was, I am. Now, if you're anything like me and you're a bit of a grammar pedant, you'd think, come on, Jesus, I am that. You haven't conjugated the verb right there. You haven't got the tense um, correctly. Now, maybe I need to be a bit more loving with that. Surely Jesus meant to say, um, instead of I am, it was meant to say I was. Um, my wife knows about um, what I am like with grammar and, and, and punctuation. In fact, interestingly enough, when we were, um, I was running through this with her yesterday, she, um, she looked at the PowerPoint and says, that's a punctuation um, error. So she got me back there. But she often says to me, you would have less arguments with people if you weren't so pedantic. And I say to her, 
I think you mean fewer. But Jesus actually meant to say, I am, because what does I am mean? He was using the name of God, which he revealed to Moses. And the Pharisees knew this. That's exactly why Jesus said it. He was saying that he was the eternal God. Jesus says later, I and the Father are one. What is he doing here? He is showing how much he relates to God because he is in fact God and he has a deep and intimate relationship um, with um, the Father. Such a deep and intimate relationship. It's like, it's like, it's like when the Bible says about uh, man and wife being one flesh, being a picture. In fact, that's only a picture because the intimacy that Jesus had with, has with God the Father is so much uh, more than that. But into this intimacy, he invites us. In John 4, 14, verse 23, Jesus answered them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus and the Father want to make their home in you today. To conclude, Jesus shows us a model for life and he offers to be our light out of slavery. He offers us a place to live in his word. Even if we are Christians, he wants to remind us of some fundamentals in life. To seek the Father's glory, not our own. To do what pleases him. To live in his word every day so that we can be taught by the Father to live God-glorifying lives so that we may be sent by him, just as Jesus was sent by the Father, to make him known to others, so that they also can be set free. But we learn something from the Pharisees as well, not to be self-seeking or to make an idol of ourselves by seeking our own popularity, to avoid falling into their trap of being blinded to the truth of who Jesus is. And remember, Jesus always offers um, a way out. He offers us a freedom that can never be taken away from us, regardless of who is ruling at the moment. He offers us a new lineage, his lineage, that is his father, the Lord God, who can be our father too forever, and then we can be truly free. What do we learn from this? Well, if you take nothing else away, just take away this. Don't be that guy. Don't be like the Pharisees. Be more Jesus. Amen. Amen.